Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Uh, Well, good morning. My name is Heath. I am the lead pastor here at Reach. We're starting a brand new series today. Uh, It's going to go for the next eight weeks. Uh, It's based on a book that's going to come out the beginning of October, written by a great friend and mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Alan Holmes. Um, He's actually from Wilmington originally, Um, has preached at Reach one time, uh, pastors a church in Greensburg called Definition Church, um, and we're excited about it. We're going to have some giveaways, so some people here will get free copies of this book when it comes out the beginning of October. Others uh, will give you a link, and you can purchase one. Um, so uh, we'll be spending the next eight Sundays on the Beatitudes. Uh, the Beatitudes are the beginning of Jesus's greatest sermon preached, or at least greatest sermon preached that's recorded uh, in our Bibles. Uh, and it br- provides us with a beautiful picture of the Christian life. If you ever wondered, like, what does this really look like? How do we do this? Um, the best way to figure that out is look at what Jesus says. And if he's going to start a sermon um, and he's going to give you some wisdom at the beginning of the sermon, it probably is pretty applicable to the rest of the sermon, which is really what he's doing here. So Jesus is getting ready to redefine what it means to, well, in that culture, what it means to be a follower of God. In our culture, he's going to redefine or define what it means to be a Christian. Most of our world, and maybe even you, define it as a system of rules. I grew up in the South. Christianity to me, the first 18 years of my life, was a system of rules. You know, do more good than bad, um, get it, you know, in trouble less, and everything's going to be all right. Go to church on Sunday. But what Jesus is going to let us know from the beginning in this first beatitude that we're going to cover is that a follower of Jesus is not about what you do, but who you are. What you do will never get you what you want, which is a relationship with your creator. The doing is what flows out of who you are in him. And we're going to see a beautiful picture of that today. Uh, I, I stole this from my days volunteering with Young Life back in the day. But rules without relationship breeds rebellion. If you've had kids and you've put rules on them without having a good relationship with them, you know, it, it's kind of like do what I say, not what I do. Um, so when we learn to focus on who you are, the rest kind of takes care of itself. When you work on who I am in Jesus, then the, the, the what you should do flows out of that. So Jesus wants to redefine what it means for us to have a relationship with God. Jesus wants us to focus on the condition of our hearts so that we can transform our world. A lot of our issue today is that we try to transform our, rule, our world with rules, which doesn't work, as we'll see in this next little statement that I'm here. And, you know, we have a um, kind of crazy political shenanigans over the last two, three years and still kind of going on depending on what side you're on and what you think. And um, we have kind of in our culture of the United States that if we make enough rules, if we make enough laws, people will be better. How's that working out? <laughs> Let me just tell you, there is no political party. There is no president that's going to fix our issues. There is no law that's going to be established in our country that's going to make people better people. Period. 
And I'm not saying that politics are important. I'm just saying they're, they're not our salvation. The heart is what God is going after. This is what we're going to see today and what we'll see over the next eight weeks. Jesus is going to address all the hot button ethical issues of his day. But he understands that if he does not get the heart, he cannot change his culture or his people. Notice Jesus in, in a very politically driven society that he was in did not go after changing rules or laws or reestablishing a new ruler here on earth. He didn't do it. But if he gets our hearts, he can transform our lives. See, the Beatitudes is an introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is doing from the beginning is trying to deal with our hearts. The first four Beatitudes deal with our relationship with God, and we're going to talk about the first one today. And the last four of the Beatitudes talk about our relationship with God transforms our relationships with others. And the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is how, is now what our relationship with God is transformed by our relationships with other people. So I'm going to begin by reading a very familiar story. If you've been in church um, or you've done bad things, uh, you may have been referred to this, the prodigal son story. So we're, I'm going to read through it. We're going to take some um, information out of this and kind of see, because this is the picture. Okay, this is a parable, which is a story that Jesus uses to communicate truth. And in this story, the father, which is important, you need to understand this, the father is God. Okay. And we're going to see how God interacts with people. And hopefully um, we'll either learn things that we didn't know <laughs> or we'll be reminded of things that we're ignoring. So here we go. Um, um, starting in verse 11, Luke 15, it says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. This is a culturally, even today, it's like literally saying to your father, I wish you were dead. Give me what you were going to give me when you're dead. Because I don't want you. I want your money and I want to leave. And the father divides the property between the two brothers. So not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So they went and hired himself to one of the citizens of the country, and he spent, and he sent him into the field to feed the pigs. Okay, this story is uh, with good Jews. Good Jews, they don't touch, interact. Pigs are unclean. They would not fulfill this job. This is how desperate this brother is, that he's out in the fields feeding the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In verse 17, which we'll come back to this. If you've got your Bibles, you might want to make a little line under these next few words in the beginning of 17, because gonna, we're going to come back to it. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? 
but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He came to his senses and said, I'd rather be a no one in my father's house, which is a servant. I'd rather be that and have food in my belly than be here. And he has this whole speech ready to tell the father, like, I don't even deserve to be your son. Verse 22, and the father, sorry, skipped ahead. Uh, And I will rise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servant. Verse 20. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father said to him, saw him and felt compassion. Most of the world's view of Christianity and God isn't that. And most of it's And I'm going to say our collectively, our fault. Because we think if they just do the right things that they would be better people instead of doing the hard work, the labor of changing, transforming their heart. He was filled with compassion and he ran, which is a disgraceful thing to do to of an elder in this day and age. Like they they wouldn't run anywhere. They would have people that he ran And embraced him and kissed him. I mean, I'm sure he didn't take a shower on the way home. He'd been working with pigs. He was stinky. He didn't get a new change of clothes to present himself before his father. The father did not care. Embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, because he had practiced his message to the father. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22. God kind of cuts him off father but the father said to the servants ignoring the speech from the son bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand which is back to status put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring him bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and he is found and they began to celebrate The father, he ignored, because I think sometimes we come to the father, the father completely ignored his speech of humility, which we're going to come back to that in just a second, and started a celebration. Here's where it gets interesting in 14. It says, for the son, um, sorry, 25. It says, now his older son, the one that stayed, the one that didn't disrespect his father, the one that kept all the rules, the one that did all the right things, Now, the older son who was in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. He's like, oh, man, there's a party of fathers finally going to recognize me as being awesome. It doesn't say that, but in my mind. And he called one of the servants and asked, what, are the, what do these things meant, mean, meant? And he said to him, your brother has come. Could you imagine as those words came out of his mouth, the servant to the older brother? <laughs> He's come back. He's come back. And we're partying. We're celebrating. Um, and the father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe. And sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Refused to go into the celebration of the father. Refused. 
to go in with the Father. He didn't just leave it there. <clears throat> his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, not a you know dear friend, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your, pro your property with prostitute, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Both sons were looking for the blessing of the father. We all are. We all want to be blessed and we all want to be happy. The question is, where is that blessing found? The prodigal thought he could find it out in the world. The elder son thought he could find it in the field, doing all that the father asked. But the blessing is with the father. See, the father wants to bless them both. He was not excluding one son over the other from the celebration, from being with him. He welcomes the prodigal son home, blesses him. He urges the older son to come in and assures him, all that I have is yours. Why are you out there slaving away? You are my son. God wants you to say, God wants to say to you through the series, whether you are in the world or the field, to come home. And let me bless you, which we're going to clarify because I think blessing is also another word that has just been totally ripped off by pastors that have jets and $100,000, $200,000, dollars cars, and, and they, they think blessing is things. And we've convinced a lot of people in the U.S., not just church, but our, our U.S. culture and whatever, that the blessing comes with these things. So we're going we're gonna to clarify that. So don't get too much like this is one of those churches. This is one of those sermons that if I just be with God, he's going to give me everything that I want, which isn't where we're going. So, But he only blesses one son. Let's be honest. If these two sons were yours... Which one would you bless? I mean, let's not... All the religious parts of us wants to go, well, this is God's story and God's right. So whatever God says must be the truth. I mean, honestly, if this happened to you, if you had one son that just completely destroyed your house and completely took all your money and, and went away and came back and, and confessed and repented before you, would you celebrate? You're ruining my story. Come on. <laughs> but that, that's the truth. The older son dishonors the father by staying away from the father's generosity. So which son are you? Because uh, honestly, anytime we have a gathering of people under the, the, the Christian dome... 
We have some of us here that we get it. (laughs) You're saved by grace, and you're fully aware of that. You know every day that without Jesus... You're, you're, you have nothing. You have nothing to offer. And there's some of us that have been around churches forever that think that we've just done the right thing and we've showed up at the right times and we've volunteered for the right amount of hours and we've given enough to that box that's back there that I'm blessed. But we miss Jesus. We do all the right things, but we miss the Father. And the Father is trying to bring us in. So you may identify with a prodigal. You know that you're not worthy of God's love and grace. Maybe you identify with the older brother and feel like you have worked hard and deserve God's love and grace. Either way, God would say, stop running, stop striving, come home and let me bless you. Jesus begins his ministry pleading with us to come home and be blessed. Matthew 7, or sorry, Matthew 4, 17, it says, repent of your sins and turn to God and come home for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying, hey, hey, guys, here, here is where the blessing is. And remember what that word repent meant. It means to turn around, to come home. I have a blessing for you. Then he begins his first and most famous sermon by inviting us again nine times to be blessed. Which is what the Beatitudes are. So if you want God to bless us, how do we do it? What does that look like? We're going to spend the next eight weeks answering that question over and over again. And the first Beatitude that we're covering today is right out of Matthew um, chapter 5. I'm going to read 1 through 3. So this is the beginning of the sermon. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be blessed? The blessing is a deep deep sense of well-being, satisfaction, and contentment that is not dependent on my circumstances. The blessing comes from having a thriving relationship with Jesus, which greatly enhances our relationships with each other. Today's whole message, which, and I'm just going to tell you, it's something that um, I feel like God over the last three weeks and some of my other messages has been kicking me in the teeth, is this idea of humility. What does that look like? And that's what we're talking about. To the poor in spirit is they're humbled. They aren't thinking like God owes me something. So how do we begin living a blessed life? The step one, which is this Sunday, is this humility. See, Jesus says God blesses those who are poor. Jesus is saying that the first step to be blessed, to have a blessed life, is realizing that without Jesus, you are spiritually bankrupt. Without Jesus, you are spiritually poor. No matter how many good things you do, no matter how many great books you read, no matter how great you are to other people, if we miss Jesus, we miss everything. This is difficult for us to understand. But in our prodigal son story, they are both spiritually bankrupt. It wouldn't, we think of the story as one sinner, but there's two that have missed God by doing their own thing. One, wickedness, and the other, their own self-righteousness. 
They have both dishonored the Father. They were both far away from the kingdom. The only difference, and this is important, the only difference is that the prodigal humbles himself before his father and casts him on the mercy and grace. And when he does, he is blessed. The older son seems closer to home, but his pride is keeping him from entering in and receiving the blessing. He is trying to earn what can only be received by faith through the father's amazing grace. Without Jesus, we are all spiritually bankrupt. Jesus is inviting us to come home and be blessed. In Jesus, all that the Father has is ours. In Jesus, we have everything that we need. This is why Paul, when he's preaching, it can say, like, I've learned to be content in all things, whether I have food or no food, where I have a place to stay or I have no place to stay. He's like, I've learned to be content because the one thing that cannot be taken from me is Jesus. So what do we do? Well, here's a reminder. In, in Romans 3, chapter 10, it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God's. All have turned. No one has seeked God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All of us. If, if you're in this room and you've loved, surrendered to Jesus for the last 40 to 60 years, we're still in that same boat. Without Jesus, we have nothing. Isaiah 64, 6, it says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and, all, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We, we've missed. Humility should be the baseline for Christianity. And it shouldn't be the baseline to get us into Christianity. It should be the baseline for us being a Christian. If, if you want to like just take a deep dive... I'm listening to it. Uh, Andrew Murray wrote this book called Humility. I mean, if you want to just like thinking, oh, you know, like I'm humble enough, just, just go. It's real thin. You can read it. Uh, you can listen to it on Audible, which is what I do. Um, but humility is the baseline. It, it is who Jesus was. He, he came humbled. We talked about this a few weeks ago where he didn't even count himself equal to God. Humility was who he was. And you know what he did with three years of his disciples' time is he convinced them over and over again as they're asking, hey, we want to be number one and number two. Who is going to be the greatest? When they're asking all of these really dumb things, he's teaching them humility. And then when he dies and leaves them and he comes back and he restores them, some of them, like Peter, finally get it. They finally get it. See, if you don't understand the depths of your depravity, our depravity, we cannot appreciate the beauty of the gospel. We cannot appreciate what God has done through his son. And this is continual. If you don't keep this at the front of your life, you'll begin to think like the older brother that I deserve God in every, all the goodness that he gives me because of how good I am. And that's not how it works. It's our humility that brings us to this place of enjoying Him. 
See, think about the two sons after the encounter with the father. The prodigal is full of gratitude because of the mercy, grace, and love and generosity of the father. The elder son is full of rage and judgment because he is not getting what he believes he deserves. He despises the father's mercy, love, and grace and generosity and hates his brother. Which of these two would you want to be friends with? I mean, when we have friends like this, I mean, I've I've not known a ton, but like, if there, when you meet somebody that's just like, it's just humble and broken, and I don't mean broken like they're a mess. I just mean they get, they get it, and it's hard. I'm just telling you, it's difficult. Living in this world that is constantly trying to get you to show how great you are. From our, I, I read some statistic. Uh, I think 30% of photos that are taken today are selfies. Selfies. Like we are all about ourselves. We're about presenting this image. We're about showing everybody else how good our life is, even if it's falling apart. See, we have to humble ourselves. Luke 15, 7. But when he came to himself, when he finally humbled himself, he returned to the Father. Humility is the first step to experiencing a blessed life. This is a, a, a great verse. Uh, I encourage First Peter 5, 6. If you haven't already, like I'd write it down somewhere. I, I'd carry it around with you for a week and just read it. Read it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. One word you can circle, may. And proper time, which is probably our harder one, because we want to do, and I'm just to tell you, I do this all the time. I do something nice at the house. I do an extra dish. You know, I take out the trash. You know, I, you know, I do these things, and, and I'm just waiting for the accolade. And you want to, let me, let me just be honest with you. Seven out of ten times, I ruin any blessing I would get by demanding the accolade. Have you noticed? Like, sometimes I'm just like, oh, someone cleaned the kitchen. Oh, I mean... We do that because I'm not waiting for that proper time. I want it to be right now. And we carry that over into our Christianity. We carry that over into God that the moment we, you know, tomorrow you decide to do the right thing. We expect tomorrow night that God opens up the heavens and says, well done, son, daughter. And we, we ruin this. And I'm just telling you, there's so much in this one verse. So much. See, our, our culture works against humility. I mean, we, we tell everybody, like, you can be an NBA or NFL player. And we have these dreams. Like, you can be anything you want. And I'm just going to tell you, some of us in this room, including me, had no chance for the NBA or NFL. I'd say most of us in this room. But we have this culture that's constantly telling you you can do whatever. And then we think, yes, we can. 
In in America, image is everything. However, in this fairy tale, positive self-image, image-driven culture is not easy for us to humble ourselves. In fact, humility usually comes at the backside of humiliation when our pride, independence, and self-sufficiency are shattered. That's what happened to the prodigal. I mean, he was humiliated. He left. I'm sure when he left, he's like, I'm going to live the life. And I'm sure he thinks for years this is going to be amazing. He may even think I'm about to invest in Bitcoin. I'm going to have so much money that like it is going to be off. Like I don't have to worry about anything. And like within a short period of time, what happens? It's gone. And that humiliation, a lot of times when we're caught, confronted or whatever, brings us to the place that we can walk in humility. doesn't mean that we, can, we do, but lots of times our humility comes at that other thing. And I want to go back to 1 Peter 5. And what does it say? What are the first two words? Humble yourself. Which means you can experience humility in your own life without the humiliation, if you choose so. You can have that experience on your own. We can. If your life is difficult, challenging, hard, overwhelming, if you're at the end of your rope, the first step to getting back to that place of experiencing the presence of God is humility. And you can wait until you're feeding pigs with pods that you want to eat. Or you can today, here in this moment, humble yourself. Look, I want to change our city. We moved to Leland to plant this church. Four days will be our nine-year anniversary. On September the 23rd, 2012. Because we had a vision for God transforming our city. And let me just tell you. God is the one who does the transformation. God is the one who changes hearts. All we do here at Reach is try to communicate what he wants for you. Which is just what we're doing today. We're showing you his word. Here we're going into his... his, This is his... This is his his sermon. I mean, like, this is it. He's telling the world what it means to follow Jesus. And he starts off with these very odd blessings. And we can consider them odd and think nothing of them. Or we can choose to ask ourselves, what is God asking of this? If, If we want the kingdom... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we, we want to be a part of that kingdom, then blessed are the poor in spirit. So if you're here and you think, man, I got this, I am good, you're in trouble. Meaning like I know the scriptures, like somebody want to come up and challenge me and like I can do this. I mean like we're in trouble and I want you to be educated. I want you to know, but it's that humble place of just understanding that no matter how much I know, no matter how much I do, I miss Jesus without surrender. I miss him 
completely. And I don't want us to be there. Look, the struggle that we go through, and when I say we, I literally mean we. I don't live in a bubble. I don't live in a pretend world uh, where everything is cake and pie. Uh, And and if you're new to reach, um, there's probably some honest moments that I have up here that you may have never heard if you've been to other churches that you think the pastor is this perfect and never sins and is, you know, they float. I mean, I'm sure they're not doing that on purpose, but that's not reality. We don't we live in the same Political drama, racial drama, COVID drama, drama that everyone else does. And, and, I, and I expressed this weeks ago. Um, it's no less like I don't sit around going, oh, you know, like no big deal. Everything stresses me out. Like if you think that I'm just cavalier about things, I'm not. Like I, it stresses me out. Because I, I, wanted, I, I, want, I want to be a good pastor. I want to lead the people, you guys, as I should. Because I understand that one day I'm going to stand before Jesus. And I want to make the right decisions. But I, 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 don't, I don't know sometimes. And we have to go back to the same place of going, I, I need Jesus. More than I need the answer about fill in the blank. I don't even want to say some of the words again. But I'm going to invite you guys to intentionally. There's a prayer uh, that you can, a prayer of humility um, that I'm going to read and invite you guys to pray. Because if you want to enter into that grace and freedom, you get to choose it. Because if it's not working um, the way you're doing it, 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 it's time to do something different, which is the way Jesus calls us to. And over the next seven more weeks, you will not be any less challenged by what Jesus says through these blessings. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I want us to choose humility. I want you to choose humility. Not because it's something that we must do, but I think it is the way that we experience God. It is the way that we receive His blessing. Remember what that blessing is. Blessing is connection to Him. Blessing is presence with God. So I'm going to um, read out this prayer. And it's just a, literally a confession of humility. And you can say it with me as we go. Um, but my, my heart is that we would walk into this. So here we go. Father, today, we confess we have sinned against you. Often our sin has hurt those we love and that you love. Today, we humble ourselves. We bow before you. We give up our attempts to convince you and others that we are more righteous than we really are. Today, we receive by faith the love, grace, and mercy you offer that we so desperately need. 
Father, we confess that we cannot change ourselves and we trust your spirit to change our hearts and produce your life in us. We renounce our pride and receive the humility of Christ. We need you and cannot be blessed without you. Fill our hearts with gratitude for all that you have done for us. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.